Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Ruth and I were remarking on the way down, we, we, um, we've never known a, a, a 280 kilometer journey to go so quickly. It's funny, and uh, we love coming down, and it's great to be with you. Can I just ask if um, my friend James from China is here? Is he here this morning? I got a message that he would be here. I've never met him, but we have a mutual friend. He isn't here, okay. If you are here and you're not owning up, meet me up here at the at the end of the meeting, okay. And Brendan, if RTE are ever looking for a reporter, I recommend you, brother. Fantastic. He asked me to say that, but anyway. Well, uh, I was, was juggling a lot early part of the week, and I just couldn't land on anything. I like to land on some, some thought, idea, sense from the Lord is saying, um, and then on, on, on Thursday evening, I just, this, this word came together. I trust it will bless you. Um, when Paul was writing to the, his friends in Philippi, in Macedonia, and he said, I want you to know something. I really want you to know something, because they'd heard other things. And he said, this is what I want you to know, that the things that have happened to me, now, he could have said, the things that have happened to me, I haven't deserved them. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said, the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Even in the household of Nero. Amazing that. Nero was the most brutal of men, most antichrist, demon-possessed, Roman Empire that probably ever lived. You agree the history of Nero. Paul subsequently stood in front of him, historians tell us, and by Nero's degree, Paul was executed a couple of years later. And interesting, a few months after that, Nero killed himself. But he had a chance. He had an opportunity. Paul paid for it, not just with his his death, he said, it's better I go home to glory, but with all that happened beforehand, imprisonment. And you know, we don't have to live very long before we realize that we don't always seem to get what we deserve. And conversely, neither do we seem to deserve what we get. An affliction of our current age is the culture of entitlement. It's a belief that one is deserving of or entitled to certain privileges, benefits, whether they're earned or not. We all have it. We're, all, we're living in that atmosphere, in that ether. But actually, God's mercy and grace are different. Hallelujah. And I love that prophecy that the sons of Korah wrote or sang when they said, mercy and truth have met together Righteousness and peace have kissed. Aren't we glad 
God's mercy is such that he does not give us what we actually do deserve. And conversely, his grace gives us what we don't deserve. It's wonderful. I was thinking of Jacob's son, Joseph, in the earlier part of his life, you know, between the age of approximately 14 to 30, those 16 years, he did not get what he deserved. But throughout those years, he learned something. He learned that the path to greatness was downward. It, uh, it wasn't upwards all the time. Not always seemingly getting what he felt he deserved. It was the opposite. And at one stage, he probably expected to die young because he was a slave with no rights and in prison and life expectancy was short. And he didn't know the end of the story like we do. And he faced betrayal, hatred, disappointment, baffling things. Maybe some of you are going through baffling things. I just can't put my finger on it, but things are happening. And yet others were blessed because of him. If you think of the people he met during that period in his life, even while he didn't seem to get what he deserved, he appears to shine and to flourish. And he became the man, someone wrote a book about him, they, they call him the man of the upward look. I like that. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, he gives a very brief comment about Joseph, he said, his brothers became envious and sold Joseph into Egypt. And then he says five words, but God was with him. Jehovah was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all of his house. He skims over those 14 years. He could have said, yeah, he didn't deserve it. And, and, and he didn't. He just said, but God was with him. And if you're his child today, if you or a believer in his son, surrendered to him and received his spirit and availed of his redemption, he's with you. Even if you feel, I haven't got what I've deserved, well, join the club. Um, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 26, please. And there's a phrase in verse 31. It says, when they, that is King Agrippa, Bernice's wife, Festus, the governor, and all those who sat with them, all those powerful people, when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves and they said, this man, referring to Paul, is doing nothing deserving of death or imprisonment. And we don't have time, but if you go back to chapter 20, this is the culmination, the build-up of all the injustices against Paul, all his civil rights being trampled on, all the abuse he got, culminating in being imprisoned for two years awaiting trial. And finally, before these various accusers and judges, he went to the top in that area, Caesarea, Palestine, and they said he doesn't deserve to be in such adversity. And because of his appeal to the authorities, they eventually they sent him to Rome. 
And we might ask, why did all this happen to Paul, who'd done nothing deserving of all this abuse and beating and imprisonment? Why was he taken to Rome and confined and mistreated? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but I know one great reason for a start. The world got exceptional treasure as a result of it. We are in possession of exceptional treasure because that happened to that man, because that man didn't get what he deserved. I'm talking about the prison epistles. Oh, prison epistles. Wonderful. I remember the first time, not the first time, it was a few years, Chris and I started to read the book of Ephesians, probably for the fourth or fifth time. I didn't understand it, but I began to understand. And, and even in that chapter one, it was like the grand, we visited the Grand Canyon that year, that's about 30 years ago, I think. And it was like the Grand Canyon of God's love opened up to me in those words written by that hand of Paul, but through the Spirit when he was in prison. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, Philemon 2 Timothy. It's more than just great literature or old literature. It is the Word of God living and active. And as a result of that, what he went through, we got it. And yet, oh, we yawn, oh, I don't have time to read the Bible today. I, I know that's none of you, but, you know, sometimes we do, don't we? And yet it's there. In this confinement and adversity, Paul discovered a place in God where he was enabled to write such truth and revelation. That was to go on, adding fruit, adding readers over 2,000 years. I wonder how many people have read those. Millions. And today they're reading it. I'm somewhere in the world today, or if you're in the West, yet to be today, people will read from one of those books in public together. Amazing. He, he was sustained and as a result of these, we can read these words, they, 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 he was sustained, he was taught, he was strengthened. So much that now to many over the centuries, God's word travels on. All because somebody was permitted by God to be confined in prison. I think Paul had more revelations and insights in prison, in a place that he didn't deserve to be than anywhere else. And probably the same applies to John the Apostle. Are these your friends? Are these men becoming your friends? By the Spirit, as we read, I know we, we, we read the Bible to get to know Jesus, but somehow these men, we, we feel their heartbeat. They're living. <laughs> Even today, they're living, and we will see them one day. And John was probably the same, even though he wrote that magnificent the gospel and the epistle, but when he was confined the, the end of his life, and he certainly he didn't get what he deserved on the Isle of Patmon, he, he wrote the book of Revelation. I'm coming to a point that will speak personally to some people today. Uh, there was a man called John Bunyan, 1650-ish. The English Civil War is taking place. He's preaching the gospel He's a man who made pots and pans and, 
and, and a bit of a character, and he's preaching the gospel, and they didn't want him to preach the gospel, and they put him in prison. After three months, they said, you can go on the condition you never preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, I can't. And he remained in prison 14 years more. Not easy. His wife had just had a miscarriage. One of his daughters were blind. They needed him. They needed the income. But the powers that be were out to punish anyone who bore the name and spoke the name of Jesus at that time. And he wrote over 50 books in that 14 years in, in prison. And one of them was the world's most widely circulated book after the Bible. Now, I was in Pastor Nick's office before I came here, into the back, and I found it. Here it is. Who knows what, this, what, what book I'm talking about? Just put up your hand. Who knows what, what this book is? I thought you were educated people here. This is the second most widely circulated and translated book in the whole world after the Bible. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. And it's in big print here. And it even has a few pictures. What an allegory. What a prophecy. What a, what a blessing that has been to the... I was going to say to the church. Certainly in bygone ages. But I remember Ruth used to read, to get the modern version, because this is in, written in 16, 15, 17th century English. Oh, anyway, he was confined. He wrote this. You, you get what I'm saying? Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. The same principle. Paul is coming to Philippi. He didn't accidentally come to Philippi. Philippi was the capital of Macedonia. If you read earlier in chapter 16, he was all heading for a campaign eastward. Getting things ready, sending off the emails, having his itinerary out, getting his prayer support, blah, 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 blah. And the, the Holy Spirit said to him, no, I don't want you to go eastward yet. I want you to go westward. So last minute he turns, him and Silas, and they trek up to Macedonia. Main city is Philippi. Come into Philippi. Oh, by the way, uh, he had a vision a few nights before he left of a man saying, come on over here and help. Come over here and help. So he goes. And he comes in. He's looking around for the man and he sees a load of praying women. Hallelujah. A church was going to be formed here. Hadn't been formed yet. And there she was, Lydia. Paul says, well, I haven't found any men, so I'll speak to the women. And God opened Lydia's heart. She received the spirit and she was a praying woman. And then he's going around the town and he liberates a young girl who'd been held captive by wicked men. Abusive cartel of men who were making money out of her ability to tell fortune. And she follows him around. After a few days, Paul's tired of it. And, tired of it, and he reduced, he, 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 he frees her of that demon. And it's interesting when men's pockets are affected, they react. We were praying and singing just now about how when God affects our pockets, we react. But these men reacted in a different way. And the, the, the amount of force that came about with Paul and Silas. There's a couple of chapters about this. They seized him. They dragged them. They brought them to court. They stripped them. They beat them. They imprisoned them in the inner prison. They, they put their feet in stocks. They didn't get what they deserved. They only helped the girl. 
And next day, the magistrates realized Paul and Silas hadn't done anything wrong, and they came down. Uh, they told the, prison, uh, the, the guards to come and release them and to send them away. Basically, they were saying the same thing as the, the, the king and the governor had said in chapter 26. Why? Why did this all happen to Paul and Silas? Because there was a man in that city God wanted to reach. Now, I don't know if the jailer was the same man who Paul saw in a vision. I don't know that. I just sometimes think he may have been. And the only way to reach this jailer, to hear the gospel, was to get Paul and Silas into jail and through their relationship with Jesus and through their sustaining power of the Spirit in their lives, they all would see things, miracles that are rare. And as a result, this jailer, this man's hardened heart would melt and he came running, desperate for help, and he uttered a cry without anyone preaching to him. And he asked that question of the ages, Sir, what must I do to be saved? God had sent them there through hardship for that purpose, for that man. By midnight, Paul and Silas, they must have beaten, stripped, traumatized. Shock, even for one of those things to happen to us. Save someone, you know, man handled you and brought you out. You, you could probably take them to court and get 30,000, 40,000 for it. But, but they had, all these things happened to them. Think of things that have happened to you in life. It just wasn't fair doesn't seem right but at midnight in the innermost prison sore backs feet and stocks you know they found grace in their pain they found grace in their distress to turn and pray and that led to praise and that led to worship and the prisoners you know the story and possibly the jailer at that time, they listened and they heard things they had never heard before. The, the prisoners, they must have been startled. The chains actually fell off. But this isn't a fairy story, folks. This is true. This happened. Oh, the chains, the doors are opened. And there was an earthquake. Yes, there was an earthquake, but actually there were earthquakes in heavenly places where powers and principalities were shocked to see men in this situation of pain, praying and receiving help from God, praising and having victory over the schemes of the devil and of men. And as a result, the mission was accomplished the next morning. And you don't know what your life now is representing. You may feel this is tough. I'm persevering. I've had this and this and this and this happened to me. And I, I, I didn't think I'd ever be in this place. But there's something in me called the Holy Spirit, which is enabling me to press on through that. And there are earthquakes happening in unseen places that will affect people, friends, maybe even on after we've gone. And in the morning, it says, the magistrates came down and said, get them out of here. You will find, and many of you have already found this, it's a simple message, but you will find that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient in whatever situation you might find yourself in. It's there. Well, I don't feel it. Someone just said this morning about waiting on the Lord, Stephen, that sometimes we just have to wait on the Lord. 
don't rush away, and you will find grace. Whatever things you might be going through. And you might never underestimate the impact that your perseverance might be having. And the Holy Spirit enables us to turn and pray and end up praising God, and you'll never know to what extent our breakthrough will result. We've just had 10 days of having a man stay with us, our friend, he's from Africa, and we've been busy towing to meetings, and he's preached his heart out, uh, and we've just had a tremendous time in Dublin, in, in the Midlands, and um, he, he'd come home, and his phone would keep calling people from home, people in need, people in serious situations. He, he, he owns, runs, built a hospital. He owns, runs, and built a thousand pupils' school. He has three or four churches going. He ain't a spring chicken now, although he was a spring chicken when I first met him 34 years ago. He's now about 62, and he just keeps... And I'm wondering, Ruth and I was wondering, how will he be able to preach tonight? Because we're hearing this, we're hearing this. And, and, and he says, I'm sorry, I have to take this call. And, and we're having breakfast and we're talking, oh, things are happening. And, and then he stands up on his feet and he preaches because of the grace of God. And some of those things that have been happening to him out there in that part of the world, West Africa, where, well, I'd say it's pretty different from here, Okay. And, and, and he, he's just the grace of God. And I, I went into one evening, he looked hard, it was a fantastic meeting, he poured himself out. And, and there were a variety of places that we went to, and it was always some, somewhere new places, and it wasn't always what he's used to. But he did it because of the grace of God. And I remember one evening, and I just went and said, are you okay? And oh yeah, I said, oh, just, a bit, just a bit tired now, brother. I said, I'm sure you are. And... He looked at me and he smiled. He said, it's the grace of God. You know, later on, Paul would say, <laughs> after this, in everything, give thanks. <laughs> he learned something in that jail in Philippi. God is at work through our problems. And you know, if you belong to Jesus... The world, situations, the devil doesn't have the last word in your life. Be encouraged in your heart this morning. Whatever you're going through, however tough things are, eternal purpose are at work. Wake up to it. Turn and say, yes, Lord, they are. I feel terrible. I don't know why. I don't know how I'm going to get through this mentally, emotionally, physically, but I know your grace is sufficient. Read it in the book. My grace is sufficient for you. And the time will come when you'll be surprised to see the impact that has happened as a result of what the Lord was doing at certain times in your life, at least in your own life, the impact. Meantime, you can receive the grace to live to the glory and refuse self-pity. We all have it. Oh, did you, oh we all do it. I, I want to refuse by his grace and refuse the grets and all those things that cause us to look down all the time. And avail of his grace to rise up and fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. One more, one more reference in Acts. We go to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> you know, this is the story of a miracle God did in the life of an individual. It's interesting in Acts chapter 2. That features the crowds. 
Peter's preaching to thousands. Many respond, many receive his word, many receive the life of Christ, many receive the baptism of the Spirit, they're saved. But chapter 3 highlights an individual, one person. It's significant that immediately after the big scale of events in chapter 2, God presents us the story of an individual in such need. He speaks and moves in crowds, hallelujah. That's wonderful. But he also ministers to individuals. And he loves to come in his view as if you were the only one. Right now, he's just come today for you. Here we have a man, he was lame from birth. He didn't deserve to be lame. About 40. Life is tough, difficult, probably sad, times angry, very little joy, most likely a burden to the few friends that are left and his family had to be carried everywhere. Imagine that, year after year. I don't deserve this. I, I didn't deserve to be born like this. His profession was begging. And the best place to do that was at the temple entrance in Jerusalem. You know, people coming in to pray, maybe coming out, they feel a bit so, come on, come on. And so he, he begged there every day. You know, not long before, and I just point this thought out to you, Jesus would have entered in and out of that temple and the precincts of that place. And I have a feeling Jesus saw him and maybe decided, well, he did decide not to do anything for him at that time. The time mustn't have been right. You read sometimes that Jesus, he went to places and there were no miracles done. And then he goes back sometime later and there are miracles done, like Capernaum. Uh, you know, others would have been healed in this area and have come out of the temple rejoicing and he just remained on the ground begging. He, he would have heard about the man with the withered hand and maybe seen him and he said, well, it's me. What's wrong with me? You know, and some of us, we go to church, we go to meetings, we go to conferences year after year, we hear testimonies of people who've been touched by God and yet somehow, in some ways in our lives, we feel we remained untouched. Life remains as it always was. But just this morning, I'd say to you, don't give up hope after nothing seems to have happened after many years. You recall that woman who refused to die? She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She tried everything available at the time and nothing worked, but she did not give up hope. And we have that Holy Spirit within you. And here in chapter 3, Peter and John, you know this story, I'm sure. They've gone many times to the temple. They must even have passed him. Maybe even they, they nodded, spoke to him, maybe prayed for him in the temple about that poor fellow out there who's lame. And they're on their way to the prayer meeting, not expecting, planning for this to happen. Have you noticed that Jesus does miracles often outside our plans and programs? Yeah. You know, I remember a friend, they went to many healing conferences. Praise the Lord for healing conferences. But, and they never got healed. And then one, one time he was just away in his own somewhere. Was it on holiday or something? And the Lord came and whispered in his ear, I am your healer. And he woke up this next morning, he was healed. 
you know. Um, but in the course of their daily routine, God alerted as they passed by, and they stopped, and they looked intently at this man who'd asked them for money. And they said, oh, I forgot my wallet. I've no cash. I've only card. You know, and, 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 and they, they said, we're poor. We don't have anything today. And then they said this, but such as we have, I give to you. What a thought. What do you have? You've received the king of glory into your life. And by a great miracle of redemption and the work of the cross, he's come in to reside in us. And he, he gives us his life. He gives us his word. He gives us himself. What generosity, what love to impart his life to us. You know that time when God spoke to Abraham, I think it's in, in um, at, uh, in Genesis 22, it says, Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Wonderful. But Abraham was already a rich man as far as material possession was concerned. He'd accumulate all his wealth, most of his wealth, back in Egypt, way back in chapter 13. So what's God talking? God was so moved that here was a man who had gone out on a limb for him, trusting him. That even if he killed his own son, God would raise his son up from the dead. God was so incredibly moved by this. He said, Abraham, I will bless you with myself. That's what he said. And that's what he said. Imagine, because of the ministry of Jesus at the Father's right hand, he runs to bless us. And if you've been lingering long under something you didn't deserve, be blessed today, but be taken up with him and surrender that to him. You've been prayed for it. It doesn't seem to have worked. You've, you've dedicated your life to it. It doesn't seem to work. This, this, I tell you, there is much blessing ahead for you. Hallelujah. And then he says this, verse 16, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. That's that's a key word in the ministry of the Spirit to our hearts. Rise up. You know, you come into a meeting. It's easy to come into this wonderful place. It's easy to rise up here, brothers and sisters. If you're regular, you're blessed. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The the worship, the word, the praise, the, 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 the fellowship. But there are some places it's hard to rise up. And he says, rise up and walk. Full stop. Initially, the man, he didn't move. He stayed put. And here comes the testing. By now, Peter's a different man than he was before Pentecost. And he steps forward. He's thinking, I've spoken the word. I felt the Lord was in this. I've spoken the word. He steps forward, reaches out, touches him, holds him, and he lifts him up. Peter believed in what he had said. And you can believe in what God has said. You know, sometimes if you're a, a minister or a preacher or a servant of the Lord and you share the gospel and you seem to get little, if any, response sometimes, don't get discouraged. You know, whether it's a week, a month, a year, 10 years' time, someone will remember what you've said, what you shared, what you did. But Peter, he added a touch to the word. And sometimes that's, I don't mean that we go around 
laying hands on everyone after we speak, but, but add that touch to his word. He saw the man was struggling. He went out again and touched him. And instead of being discouraged, Peter got closer to him. Instead of withdrawing in disbelief or disappointment, he chose to trust God in the situation. And so must we. When there's a challenge, when things don't seem to work out after months, years, prayer, rise up, draw close to him. You know, we were at a conference a few weeks ago in England, and uh, and an elderly woman, probably early 80s, she had just come back from Northern Europe with her youngest son, having buried her oldest son out there. Died tragically. We didn't expect her to come to the conference. We thought she'd go straight home, collapse, mourn, go to see the doctor, just didn't want to be, she comes, second day into the meeting, we're shocked to see her, front row she comes, as we're worshiping the Lord, she, she, she stands up, tears are coming down, and she's worshiping God, I have to pay leading that meeting, I say, Lord, what a testimony, and towards the end of the meeting, I, not that night, but a few nights, I said, my dear, would you like to share? Oh, yes, yeah, she said, I'd like to share. And she, she gets up. She said, he's my eldest boy. I love him. Missed him. He gave his life some time ago to Jesus. He's with him. But she said, oh, it was tragic. I miss him. But I have his spirit, the Holy Spirit in my life. He strengthened me to come here. And I'm going to press on. I have my youngest son, I have another son, and, we're going to pre- I, and I'm going back to the church, and, and I'm going to press on. I said, wow. Same conference, uh, um, there was another lady we hardly noticed. It's one of those people you hardly notice. This lady I was talking about, she's, she's, she's kind of, she's noticeable, nice personality, and she there, this other one you'd hardly notice. I was speaking one night, and I'm going out, and she, she's crying. She said, can, can I have a word? I said, can I have a word? I said, sure. And I go, and we're standing, and then there's no word. I said, did you want to talk to me? She said, I can't. I said, why? I'm bound. I, I, what are you bound? I don't want to talk about it. I, I don't. And that went on. Can I pray for No, 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 don't, don't pray. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And the same thing the next day. And I think I, I, I was sort of, I felt I died this, but no, it didn't seem to have any effect on her. But that night, I, I just felt, oh, we have two more days, Lord. There's lots of other people. I was speaking things in my mind. And so the, the last night she comes. And by then I kind of had, I had done my bit. You know what I mean. And I didn't have anything else. So I was, I think, more real than ever to her. And then she just, she told me her story. I don't have time to tell you the story. It's just utter tragedy all the way from childhood, school, church was a disaster. A marriage was even worse, divorced. People had prayed for her, asked her. And now she said, there's no point in praying. There's no point. Whatever you say won't have any effect. But by the third night, I said, we need to pray. Well, she said, I can't. Well, I said, I can. Okay. I said, will you say what I can? 
And I would pray, I don't know if I can. Well, let's try it. It was like that. So I said, it was like a sinner's prayer, but it was a restoring prayer. And she mumbled the first few lines uh, with effort. She told me that she feared uh, God, and yet she didn't want him near because she'd been so disappointed by him. And she actually said to me, I don't know why this has happened to me. I didn't deserve it. Or maybe I did. You know that sort of thing. But as we prayed on, I found she was adding things to the lines of the prayer. In some way, the Lord just simply gave me the ability to touch her verbally. And at the end, I saw some tears coming down. And we stood up. I didn't want to go near her. Although we were in the big meeting room and there were a few people still hanging around. It wasn't for any other reason. She was an elderly woman. I just had one. And she just went over and she, she, she gave me a, she said, thank you. I went to bed still not knowing whether she had broken through or God had broken through to her. This woman who had endured 70 years of, I mean, her parents nicknamed her Beelzebub. Anyway, I don't want to say anything more because I know we're live about it. So I'm coming down the next morning, last meeting, coming down for breakfast, and a couple who'd brought her from the south of England all the way up, say, Larry, Larry, Larry. I said, oh, yeah, hi. They said, uh, we got a knock on our door at 7 o'clock this morning. I said, right. I, I said, so, was it the postman or something? You know, and they said, no, 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 no. And they named her. And she said, God has come to me. And I'm free. And I learned a lesson during that. That sometimes it isn't always just snappy, quick, professional. Uh, it, it, it can be just, we want to reach out. Believing in the strength and the grace of the Holy Spirit. And he can come and unlock things in our lives. Unlock paralysis in our hearts, in our minds. We get bound in our minds. Uh, and we go into self-pity. Uh, I don't deserve this. And why did that happen to him? We've gone questioning. And it's, 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 it picks up speed. It's like that snowball rolling down the mountain. Before we know where we are, it's a huge big ball in our mind. And we can't get out. Stubborn things that have been there for years. Burdens and impossibilities. But Jesus heals inward paralysis, folks. And such as I have, Peter said, I give to you. One more story, short story before I go. Um, we have a friend in England. He's head older than me now, and he, he had his own business. And then, but before that, he, 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 he worked in an office, and he, he said everyone in that office, which I suppose is the same in general offices, um, 4.59, everyone heads for the exit. Pew, pew, pew. And, and he's still tidying up. Everyone's heading for the exit. And so he would pack up fairly quickly. And at one day, right at the beginning of the day, he felt, he felt um, in his mind this wor these words coming to him. Don't go home. <laughs> and he tried to have his coffee work. Don't go home. So he... He said, well, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting me. So when everyone else headed for the exit at 4.59, he stayed. He stayed up in his little office. This is a story about the love of God to an individual. 
half five, everyone quiet. I said, I'll wait till quarter to six. Wait till a quarter to six. Well, he said, I'll give it an hour. I must have got that leading wrong. Have you been there? <laughs> Even if nothing's happened, maybe you didn't get the leading wrong. Okay? But he was thinking that. And he's about to go, and the door opens. And a man kind of drifts in. And he's shocked to see my friend. My friend is shocked to see him. And he said, why are you still here? And my friend said, I believe God asked me to stay. And the man came in the door. And it turned out that this man had stayed. And he had OD'd down on the shop floor. And he came up to a quiet office to die. And my friend that's all he said, I believe God told me to stay. And then he touched him. Carried him out to his car, rushed him to hospital. They pumped him out and he lived. I forget what he said, what happened to him. <laughs> There's a, a God who loves people and he guides us more than we'll ever know. And as a, uh, we're going to have our final song and close the meeting. But Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are in the midst. You're ever bringing your word. You're ever touching. And today we pray together for any of us, Lord, who are in that, in that hole that we feel, oh, I didn't deserve this. Why did this happen to me? And I'm paralyzed. And Lord, will you break through today and cause the rivers to flow and you'll turn sadness to joy and sorrow to happiness and grief and despair to a love and a, uh, and a joy in you. We pray that today. You are the miracle working God, Lord. And we dismiss the lies that we've created or the wicked one has created over any life here today. And we pronounce the liberty of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come and do that amongst us now. We can have a nice time. We can sing nice songs. We can talk about the Bible. But Lord, without you coming in your power, in your majesty, in your grace, in your love, in your precision, and in the energy from heaven, Lord, we're just nice as well. Go home. <laughs> but Lord, where you are, there's freedom. And we thank you today that you are at work. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.